Great is God's faithfulness. Do you feel like saying that this morning? Did you feel like singing it this morning? You know that he's faithful. Yeah, continuously, God is faithful. Even when we stumble and we're uh, sometimes drawn away or, or other things, God just is continuing, continually being a faithful and loving God. And he is worthy of our worship and our praise. He's worthy of our attention. With all that said, let's pray before we begin this morning. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for your word. We thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to, uh, to open it, to see it, to see its words and, and, and direction, the commandments that are laid out, the instruction, the examples that are given to us. Uh, Father, as we look to be pleasing to you, we pray, Father, that we could adhere to the things that we see. I pray, Father, that, that your spirit working within us, that we're going to be challenged, that, uh, Father, we're going to be sharpened as your people, that we're going to receive encouragement where we need encouragement, and strength where we need strength. God, it's good to be together. It's good to be your people. And so we, we praise you for your faithfulness, and we absolutely praise you for your love and your gift in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, we're at, at Acts chapter 13. If you want to turn your Bibles there, you, and those blue Bibles that are ahead, if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to use that, and not only use that. If you don't have a Bible, please take one of those home. Uh, just uh, uh, We've got ample and we'll replace as, as they disappear. We want them to disappear, believe it or not. Um, Acts chapter 13. I said last, last week we went through chapter 12. Chapter 12 was that focus upon Peter. Peter was imprisoned, and God miraculously sending his angel uh, released him from prison, and uh, we, we were that opportunity to see probably the final major story of Peter in the book of Acts. I told you last week that, that here, chapter 12 is this last, this last chapter of like the, the beginning or the first half of the book of Acts, uh, and we say that because the main character uh, we see coming up in most of the stories between chapter 1 and through chapter 12 is Peter. And now beginning chapter 13, we're going to see a, 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 new, uh, a, a new man of God who, who is being brought forth. And it's Saul. We, we actually saw in, in chapter, uh, chapter 9, Saul's conversion. He was once that persecutor of the church. And it was even said early on that, hey, I have plans for him. There's work that he's going to be doing. And we're going to see that actually begin here in chapter 13. So uh, uh, we're, we're back at, the, at the, uh, uh, the church in Antioch. In chapter 11, we went through Antioch just to remind you where we've been. In, in chapter 11, that city of Antioch, which is way north of where Israel is, way up Antioch of Syria. And, and it's a... It's a uh, very, very much a metropolis city, and, and, and there the, this didn't have like an apostle or one of the main figures like uh, Stephen or, or, well, Stephen, of course not, but, but Philip or, or others who went to take the gospel. It was basically, it was people who were dispersed because of the persecution. So unnamed people were going into Antioch, Jews, and, and also uh, there were 
Hellenistic Jews who were going into that area, and the way the scripture laid out is that, well, the Jews went, and they were winning Jews. They were telling, proclaiming the message of Christ to the Jews, but also there was a group of Hellenistic Jews who were going with that brand new idea, let's take it to the Gentiles. So Antioch is a significant city because they didn't have a church that was divided. Okay, this is a, a church uh, that for the Jews. This is the Christian church for the Jews, and this is the Christian church for the Gentiles. And they're on separate corners, right? Just kind of like what we see denominations today. There wasn't that. We, we have this idea that as they became believers in Christ, they united and they were that, that church together in, in Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it was Antioch that first identified them as being Christ people, Christians. Uh, and, and so this, this city of Antioch becomes very important, especially what we'll see it taking place here in, in chapter 13. Uh, let's read just the first three verses of chapter 13. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Uh, Barnabas, Simeon who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. From the very beginning, chapter 1 up to through chapter 12, what we've seen is a church that is focused upon mission. This, this idea that we put out is, is taking root, uh, is... is we're, we're seeing it all through. That's exactly what's happening with the church. The church is taking root, and those roots are going deeper and further and just spreading out continuously. And it is because the church has a mission, a focused mission. Do we know what that mission is? Do we know what the mission is? I hear whispers. I, I'm, I'm so much the teacher. I like responses, but but okay. The mission is to declare Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and the fact that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, <laughs> we have forgiveness. That's that's the message that they have to bear and to take into this world. Uh, as it said in, in Acts chapter one verse eight, will you begin in Jerusalem, go to Judea, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth? And, and so that's, it's laid out early in, in Acts, and we see it played out. Church with a mission. Do you think it's changed today? Do we have a different mission? Does the church have a different mission? Our mission is to be a great place for youth to come and, and to grow up and learn good moral standards. That's what, we're here for you guys, okay? Uh, our, our mission is so we could get together and sing great music with Eric and whatever team he puts together. That's our mission. Our, our mission is to, uh, to take up offerings and support the minister because he has a certain lifestyle he likes to live, right? Okay. <laughs> you know, you guys, the mission is the same. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. It is our responsibility as God's people 
his Christians to continue to, to promote and, and to tell people about Jesus. It hasn't changed. And, and, and we need to be that church on a mission. But boy, we could be distracted, can't we? Boy, the church could become distracted. So I want to remind you this morning through these three simple verses that the church must be mission-focused. And that specific mission that, that God has given us. Now, if we are serious about this mission that God has given us, we should follow the example of the actions that the Antioch church had taken. Some of the things that we follow and that we do aren't specifically because you know, Jesus said, this is the way you do it. Some of the things that are really good to do, we see because the church is acting in that way. And there's some things that I, I, I see that the Antioch church is doing that I think could be an encouragement to us and maybe even lead us into some really good things. So I'm looking at some actions today. The first action is this. We must be attentive to God's leading. We must be attentive to God's leading. And, and our attention, there's some things that we, we could be doing to, to be giving God our attention. And I think we could see it uh, within this Antioch church. God gave specific instructions to the Antioch church. He did it specifically through the leadership. So pay attention to that. Let's look at the leaders of this church. They are described as both prophets and teachers. If you look at Paul's letter of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11, maybe you've heard this verse where uh, God made some to be apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Two of those are listed in, in, in those five descriptions. There were, there were uh, prophets and teachers amongst them. Um, who were who the prophets? We see a couple examples earlier on in, in Acts. Agabus, if you remember in chapter 11, was, was a prophet who came and, and was there amongst the Antioch church. And he made a prophecy saying that there is a, a famine that is coming. A famine that's coming is going to be a severe famine in Judea. And that caused them to raise funds to help and support the churches in Judea. Saul and Barnabas made their way to Jerusalem for that reason, to take that offering. Um, also, we see Saul and Barnabas, who've been very key in, in the very beginnings of Antioch. You know, things were happening. Barnabas came up. He saw, you know, what was happening and it was good. They were receiving Christ. There was excitement in the church. And so Barnabas took off to go find Saul, who wasn't that far away, uh, brought Saul with him back to Antioch. And it says in the scriptures that Saul and Barnabas spent a year teaching this very infant church. And, and so what an advantage that Antioch had uh, in the beginning with the teachers of prophets. Well, obviously, they've added a few more. There are five, uh, five leaders that are listed there, along with, first of all, Barnabas is mentioned, and, and in that list, Saul is the final one. But there's three guys in the middle of this. And I really believe that when we look through these leaders, we're seeing that, that the, the, the leadership of the church is as diverse as the, as the church is. So here, here are the, the men that are mentioned. Simeon, who is also called Niger. Now, listen, that word Niger, look at that. And, and you know, there is, there is a, a socially unacceptable racial term that, that is used today in our society. But the way this is written, 
I want you to understand that this is from the Latin, and it does mean black. So, so the significance of that is here, here is a, a black man who's part of the significant leadership of Antioch. And I find that neat. <laughs> I find that wonderful. Uh, there's also Lucius from Cyrene. Uh, he, he's, uh, fr- Cyrene was actually uh, along that Mediterranean Sea, very much west of where Egypt is. And, and is in that modern-day Libya. Lucius is thought to be one of the Hellenistic Jews that, that possibly came up at the very beginning of, of Antioch and was one of those who was proclaiming to the Gentiles uh, the message of Jesus and bringing about the, the conversion of, of many Gentiles. I should say Simeon is also considered a Gentile, not just a Jew. I mean, Jews and Gentiles both on this. Manian. Manina is another third person mentioned. We don't have a lot of information except what's laid out here. And Manian is, is said to be a childhood friend of Hetri, Herod the Tetrarch. Now, significance here is, I mean, who he is and his association with Herod. We, we talked about this a little bit uh, last week. The, the different Herods in that t- period of time of the Gospels and the book of Acts. There was actually three Herods. He's, Herod the Tetrarch was the middle Herod. The one who is responsible for beheading John the Baptist. So here's two young uh, childhood friends. One went on to behead the prophet of God. The other one went, went ahead and, and he became uh, a major uh, leader in this Antioch church. And, and so complete different directions. And yet uh, uh, we see all together these five men... Uh, made up the, the leadership in the church in Antioch. Like I say, the leadership represented this diverse congregation. There was a diversity in the leadership. And these men were prepared to listen, or they were attentive to God. And, and, the, and the, actually what followed, what were they doing to be attentive? Uh, in our, in our uh, passage, it says that they were worshiping, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. That word worship, if you have like a King James Version or American Standard Version, New American Standard, actually is translated ministered. They ministered to the Lord and were fasting. And in many of the other translations, it says worship. Well, worship and ministry is two different things, right? I mean, when we come in here singing and paying attention, I mean, what you're doing is worshiping, but, but ministering, that's serving, Right? Actually, the word, the word translate could be either one. Uh, and, and the best way to understand it is, I am worshiping through my ministry. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm actually, the, what, what these five men were doing, that they were worshiping through uh, acting out the, the responsibilities they, they've been given. Prophet and, and teaching. They were prophesying and teaching in the church. Well, and both of those are related to this. They are delivering the message of God. To the people. And so in their worship, they were delivering the message of God and they were also fasting. Uh, you all heard about fasting, right? You know what fasting is? Uh, here, here's my, cephal, uh, my, my simple definition of what fasting is it is to remove distractions uh, so that you can focus on God. We especially know fasting along with food, it, it means don't eat food for a while. Miss, miss a meal, and instead of uh, eating during that 
time I'm going to, to focus my attention upon prayer or I'm going to focus, or whether it's one meal or two meal or three, you know, that's just kind of for you to decide. It, it is you setting the course to say, I'm going to, to give some special attention to God today. Uh, there, there's an example in scripture. Matter of fact, we go to several different places. I looked at places where it talked about fasting a little bit, but the, the story that came to mind was the story of Mary and Martha. Out of Luke chapter 10, are, are, perhaps you'll recognize the story, but Jesus and a number of the disciples came to Mary and Martha's house. And, and Martha, Martha is like my Linda, you know, she, she, if she has a house full, she kicks, kicks into that Martha mode. Trish, you're familiar with Martha mode, right? Uh, but but when, when Martha mode happens, you've got a house full of women, and a house full of, of people, and, and so it's now, I'm going to play that hostess, and I begin preparing food for my guests, right? So many of you women know that. And, and so that's what was happening with Martha. And, but, you know, so she's in the kitchen, she's busy working, toiling, putting things together for the bread, and Mary is at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus, and Martha gets frustrated, and, and so she goes to Jesus and says, uh, tells Jesus, Jesus, I'm in here working so hard, would you please tell my sister to come in here and help me, because I've got all this to do, but listen to what Jesus tells Martha, he says, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. You're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary, Mary has chosen the good portion. I know that for you or who are Martha's, get a little frustrated with that. Linda does anyway. Say, so why? You know. But, but the, here's the truth. Think about it. Hey, you are so busy. You are, so, you are getting flustered. Set it aside. What's Mary doing? Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening. Hey, it's not saying do that all the time. Guys, I did that for you. It's not saying do that all the time. And, and, and yeah, meals still need to be prepared and you still need to eat. We're not saying neglect that. But there's times where, you know, it's an ideal time to set that kind of thing aside and sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. I think that's fasting. I think it's time to fast in our busy schedules. Now, there's more to it, uh, to, to fasting. It's not just food. Other things that might have our attention and distract us. Actually, in, in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5, it talks about that time of intimacy between husband and wife. Set that aside for a little bit. And Paul encourages, use that for prayer. Focus that upon prayer you know, so that you are paying attention to God so that you're listening to what he might have to say. Uh, and, and it's taking that time to be attentive to him. Uh, I, I even said this earlier, I said, but this was my personal, just a few weeks ago, I said, this thing is becoming a hindrance to me. I'm pulling it out way too often and looking at it for this and that. Can't even sit down with a family without having it in front of my face. And so I, I identified it as a hindrance and had that week of silence. You know, it's hard to do because you still have to communicate, right? Text or phone, but everything else, I'd set it in place and walk away from it. And, and uh, it was a great week. <laughs> I've, I've, I actually told Linda, said, I'm thinking about going back to the simple, just a phone, just a text and, and, and do something simple. And, and she couldn't see that. But anyway, we'll, we'll work on that. 
we, we need to get away from the things or should take the opportunity every once in a while to set something aside or set the distractions aside and just God, give God our attention. You know, focus upon his word. Focus upon prayer. Take time to just be silent before him. Silence is some man, if, let, me, let me do it just right now. Is anything in you screaming, will you please say something? Because <laughs> especially you have children. Man, I don't know what to do with silence, you know, you, you with young parents. It's not easy. Sometimes silence still needs to be valued and loved. These guys were spending time in ministry uh, in that they were worshiping, but they were also taking time of, of fasting and focusing their attention upon God. In the midst of that, what happened? The Holy Spirit spoke into them. The, the, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and, and uh, basically gave them that message. Hey, take these two men, Barnabas and Saul, and send them out. Send them out. Send them for, on, on this mission. Now, as a church, we must open our ears for God's divine direction. We need to be attentive. We need to take time and purposefully look for that time to, for, for God to just lead and guide. We talk about God leading all the time. Well, how do we do that? I, I, I think Antioch sets a pretty good example for us. Prayer, fasting, being involved in ministry, being involved in, in, in worshiping God through ministry. When we're involved in those things, God has our attention. Does that make sense? Doesn't that make sense? The second action that's laid out in, in this passage is, is we must be prepared to send people out. We must be prepared to send people out. I, I, look, I, I don't know amongst these five men... Uh, there was Barnabas and Saul, and, and they were very instrumental in the initial teaching of this, like I called them, an infant church. A, 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 a whole, they needed to know a whole lot, and they spent that time teaching. Would it not be a temptation to keep those people here? Uh, man, man, they were doing such great things. We, we're loving your teaching. You've, you've, you've invested in us, and, and we're gaining from that. Uh, and the temptation would be, we just need you to stay. We just, Paul, Paul, uh, Saul and Barnabas, we, we just would love for you just to, just to stay with us. We see, we see where we have more of an advantage and a strength with you right here. That would be a temptation. And I, I'm familiar with that because we've said goodbye to lots of people. We've said goodbye to lots of people over the years, especially, you know, thinking I've been here the, as long as I have. We've said goodbye to some great people. I thought, man, it's more of an advantage if you just stay. But God always provides and others step up in the absence of those who do leave. Paul and Barnabas were sent. They were told to go. You need to go. Matter of fact, that's the command that Jesus left out in, in Matthew or, or told his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. The Great Commission, Right? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, is what Jesus said. And then in verse 19, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what Jesus said. He said, go. 
And I remember a couple of sermons as I was, I, I've heard it preached in a couple of ways. And, and I, I heard pretty strong, uh, the first, one of the first times I heard it preached, he said, man, the commandment is to go. And in that, in that sermon, he said, unless you're told to stay, you need to go. And that was laid out. I mean, because that, that was very emphatic. You go into all the world. And then another sermon I heard, uh, they would come along and says, well, it's really as you go. You know, as you go along the way, you're sent here, there with your work. It, it, it's less that intentional going. I'm, I'm looking for the place where God is sending me. And it's just as you go, you take the gospel and you make disciples wherever you go. When we look at the book of Acts, it's really both, isn't it? I, I, I don't want to tear up the word go, and I, but I think that, man, there is intentional going. There's purposeful going. As we see today, the Holy Spirit said, take Barnabas and Saul and send them. Send them out to those Gentiles. And then uh, other times we see because of persecution, because of the persecution, the Christians scattered. And what did they do? Along with them came, uh, along with them went that message of Jesus, and they and they declared Jesus. I mean, went went to places like Samaria and Damascus and Joppa and Caesarea and and, and now to Antioch. It, it just went everywhere as a result of the persecution, and they took the gospel with them and they declared it along the way. Paying attention, listening to God in his direction. I've heard so many folks who felt led to where they are for ministry purposes. Some of those led because, it might have been because of military service. We're here, or, or we're here. I've, I've heard people say, you know, God's using me where I am. God's using me, you know, uh, whether they found a church or where they found people who didn't know Jesus. And, and they've taken, took, taken advantage of being involved in different ministries. There are those who are sent intentionally. I, I do feel like it was intentional I showed up here in Junction City from where I was. I, th I, I, I see a course of life that was taken. We went to a youth home and spent seven years there. I, and honestly, I went to Bible college, but what I learned at the youth home for seven years was amazing things. That was a degree I will not have a paper for. But what God told, taught me about grace there was amazing. And, and just loved him more through, through ministry. And, and, and so the same thing is happening for each of us. We have that opportunity to see how God is taking us and using us as we go. The church assisted Barnabas and Saul in their preparation. In the, in the passage we have here, what did they do? What action did they, they take? Prayer and fasting. When, when, when the Holy Spirit said, send them out... They went into prayer and fasting. Back to fasting, but this time it was a focus of prayer. What would they be praying about? What would they, you know, hey, God, guide, protect, lead them where they're going to go? And, and how about this? And prepare the hearts of the, those who are going to receive the gospel message. Begin to prepare the field for where they're, they're going to be received. And may they be receptive to hearing about Jesus and receiving him and, and, and taking them as their savior. So this church in Antioch was, was very much connected with sending out Barnabas and Saul. They've been connected with them through, through their teaching already. And now they have the opportunity to send them out. So they're praying, and again, they're, they're, they're 
fasting in order for them to be focused upon the very direction of God. And, and then it says they laid their hands on them. They laid their hands. Have you ever seen an uh, ordination service or something like that? We've been a part of that before. Matter of fact, I was ordained here and I uh, took my knees and I had, I had leadership, guys who were leadership of the church and, and a few guys who, who've been a part of my life came around me and they laid their hands on me and, and, and prayed over me. Now in this laying on of hands in the scripture, Barnabas and Saul already had the Holy Spirit. So sometimes we think the laying on of hands, we see the imparting of the Holy Spirit. That wasn't the case here. They weren't imparting the Holy Spirit upon men who already have been identified earlier in Acts of already having the Holy Spirit. This, this is a, a show of support and encouragement from the church. Matter of fact, I find it significant. I'm going to jump ahead. Chapter 14, verse 26 See, in 1426, they actually go back to the church in Antioch for a report. And, and the description of this laying on of hands and what the church has done is that they had commended, that, that, that uh, Barnabas and Saul were commended to the grace of God. Commended to the grace of God. 1426, if you want to see that. What does that mean? They are entrusting these men to the grace of God. I, man, that, that excites me about what God has done for you and I, both. And what they were doing. They're sending them out, entrusting them or commending them to the grace of God. Because along with them goes the grace of God. And in every ministry they're going to be doing it is according to the ministry of God. We know that the grace of God has saved us. We're going, to, we're going to do communion. It's going to be a celebration of Jesus. Man, praise you, God, for the forgiveness that you've given to us. But that grace also, I mean, that's the inward. What God has done for us, that grace has changed and is working in my life, and it's rearranging me. And guess what? That grace also go out, goes outward from us. It, it, it goes into to those things of ministering. It goes into those things of caring for somebody else and and. and serving others, that, that grace goes out and we have that opportunity not just to be saved by God, but then to be used by God, to be his instrument. Uh, did, did you understand that? And, and, and are you taking advantage of that? I mean, I'm going to relish in the grace that I've been given. Praise God for that, that I belong to him. I can claim I am his child and that's, that's great, but I'm also his servant. I'm also had this opportunity to, to serve the one and only God and, and to serve in his kingdom and, and to, to add, you know, to continue to build upon that foundation of, of that gospel message. We not only receive that grace, we get to live that grace. Do we understand that? We, we need to understand that because we are a church who has a purpose and has a mission. And that grace goes before us. And that's what they were there. That's what they were doing. We're going we're gonna to commend you to the grace of God. And as they went forth, they didn't, I mean, they had a message. But God was with them and his grace was working. We get to see that as we continue to move through the book of Acts. It's exciting. We saw it move last week. Cord is here. And man, we saw the grace of God act and work in Cord's life. And we're all familiar with that. 
People who didn't deserve Jesus, we received Jesus. Are you kidding me? What a message. Woo! And it ought to be working in us. We ought to be excited about that message. We ought to have the, the strength to say, you know what? I want others to know about the grace and mercy of Jesus. How absolutely amazing and wonderful he is. And the, the fact that they need that forgiveness. They need that mercy. Man, we, we definitely recognize that this world around us needs Jesus. There you go. I applaud you. <laughs> they had the boldness to say amen to that. Because that's exactly, that's our mission. That's our mission. That's who we are. The last point, and here's what I realized. I know I went long last week, took on 28 verses. I just did three, and I've only got, what, uh, uh, eight more to go. <laughs> I, I'm not going to read that. So, Jim, don't worry about putting that up. But I do want to read this. The final action is what will we see later, is, is what we're going to see later. Those sent out need ongoing support. Guess what the church does? For, for those who have gone out, man, we are a continued support. What does that mean? I think it continues in that fasting and prayer. That has to be a part of it. Continue to fast and focus our attention on, on, on you know, God, strengthen and be with those who are on mission. Uh, Ty's not here today, but we could be praying for Ty. You know, it, it is a mission within the high school. We could pray for our teachers. Take some time to, to pray for them. We, we did early in the year. Why stop? We need to continue to pray for them. Man, they're in a, they're in a place that, that God needs to be, uh, you know, declared or at least lived openly and honestly uh, for, for the teens around us, a world that's kind of messed up. No, did I say kind of? A world that's messed up. Remove the kind of, right? And, and any of you who are working, man, you're in a position. Man, do you all feel like missionaries today? Where, where you work? You guys going to school? Uh, you guys teaching in school? Where, wherever you go, even within your families, uh, you, you do have a mission. You have an opportunity to share that greatest message, message ever. His death, his resurrection, what does that mean to me? Forgiveness. And I am his. And he is mine. Woo! Yeah, that's good news. That's good news. That's excellent. I, I want us to, to embrace and see what they're doing. Later on, uh, as I said in 14, uh, this pair, Barnabas and Saul, who in verse 9 of this chapter, Saul finally becomes Paul, Okay? Saul finally becomes Paul. And it's just in mentioning, you know, he goes into mission to the Gentiles. And it makes sense. No longer are you going to be called Saul. You're going to be called Paul. Why? Because that name is very Gentile. It's very Greek. And he's going to go minister amongst them. And then all of a sudden we see a couple of changes. Not only is it Barnabas and Saul, now becomes Paul and Barnabas. Even the order is laid out. And it's all because of the focus and mission. Hey, listen, I want to talk a little bit more, uh, but I'm going to end it here. <laughs> I want to keep going. Forgive me when I do that. But, but here, here, here's us as a church. We have the opportunity. We have the absolute opportunity to be in mission. Uh, and, and if you belong to Jesus, you, you need to take responsibility for that along with us as a church. Pray for our leadership. 
I will tell you this one last thing. Uh, when we have elders retreats and guys who've been elders that we've gone on retreats, we go away and, in order for us to pray and open the scriptures and, and think about. And what we start with, uh, I remember one year Eric and Matt brought backstrap. I never had backstrap. And, and Eric made the most amazing deer meat I've ever had in my life. It was, it was so delicious. We had this great meal to begin with. And, and I look at this and I'm ashamed that we did that. We went there and we focused all our attention upon eating when we should have been doing what? Praying and, and fasting. So guess what? If you're a part of the leadership or even the future part of the leadership, guess what we're going to do next, next retreat? It's going to be so much easier. We're not have to, yeah. <laughs> we'll bring whatever to sustain us, but our focus is going to be more upon, hey, let's miss a meal. Hey, we're going to focus it upon praying and being attentive to God. We could do that as a church. You could do that individually. It's just part of, you know, hey, this is my faith. This is my life. I'm going to grow in this. Because I do believe that once we become believers in Christ, he deserves our attention. Right? Every day, take that opportunity. Get by yourself. Leave the kids, you know, for a moment. And just go in your closet. God, I praise you for today. And then get back to the kids, you know. Take that time to listen and, and, and to be all about the mission that we've been given. Let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his death. We thank you, Lord, that today we know he lives. And, Father, he represents us there at your side, you know, representing us, uh, revealing to you always those wounds where you paid our price. Father, we are privileged to know you. We are privileged to know and, and to receive such a wonderful grace and mercy uh, through Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that you help us to be uh, focused on loving you and serving you, being a part of that, that worship where we're ministering and engaging in, in, in serving others and offering them the gospel. Uh, we pray also, Lord, that you direct us, Father, in every day. Help us to be attentive to your word and your direction. God, you're good to us and we give you praise this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.